Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and we just got done saying such nice things about Adam Sandler in a recent podcast on Spanglish. Mm. (laughs) I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to saying not such nice things about him (laughs) today. Uh, This is Phil, your other co-host, and uh, you can tell this is the kind of movie that people had a good time making. Hopefully, I hope they had a good time. Uh, making it but um i'd say i'd say that jorge garcia had it the worst of any of the actors in this film because uh he must have been sweating like crazy wearing that (laughs) outfit that he wore for the entire film yeah (laughs) except except towards the end he didn't he was in uh cummerbund and uh he was looking kind of dapper yeah he was looking kind of dapper uh he still had those teeth though oh yeah yeah he couldn't communicate with anybody very well (laughs) uh the film that we are referencing is the ridiculous six a netflix film a next netflix produced film from happy madison productions which is adam sandler's uh perennial uh, shit maker (laughs) movie movie poop shoot uh this churns out movie after movie consistently Um, once a year yeah, yeah, it's kind of nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been recommended to us by Chris, a uh, returning guest on the show. Chris, say hi to everybody. Hey, how are you doing there? Hey, Chris. Uh, we're gonna get. I think we're going to have some fun talking about this movie <laughs> here in a minute. But before we do, I want to tell you how you can find us on the web. You can find us first by uh, searching www.in-the-q. <laughs> what? That's right, the letter Q. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that no, sounded time, wrong to me for a second. Every time I say it, it feels wrong, but it isn't. Doesn't it? No, it's, it's it cor- does. <laughs> it's correct. It's in dash the dash Q the letter Q dot com. Right. Uh, please visit us, visit us there. That's our website. That's our blog, and you can find all of our episodes posted there. You can also leave us comments that include films that you would like us to talk about, like today's film. Yep. Uh, or you can uh, just give us some feedback on the on the podcast itself. Yeah, we actually would love to hear from you guys. We would. So please engage us. Mm-hmm. You can also do the same thing on our Facebook page, which you can get to by searching on Facebook for In the Q, Q-U-E-U-E, uh, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And you can like our page there. Then our postings will populate your Facebook feed. Uh, you can leave the aforementioned comments and or suggestions on our Facebook page. And we'll also add in a, a few extra sort of supplemental materials for the films that we're watching that are fun or informative or a little bit of both. Yeah. Little column A, little column B. Uh, finally, you can find us on iTunes by searching for In the Q, Q U E U E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And there you can subscribe to our podcast and get every single episode delivered straight to you. That's right. Toot sweet. Toot sweet. And don't forget so, about the uh, brand new In the Q boxer yes. shorts available oh, for yeah. Christmas. Uh, Christmas. Yeah. Coffee mugs, uh, sweaters, <laughs> scarves uh, for this win- upcoming winter season. <laughs> we're, we're laying down the merch. That's right. It's like public television up in this bitch. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Although there is one additional thing that I always forget about, which is our Twitter handle at mm. ITQ podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter and engage us there as well. And we encourage you to do so. After all, the name of the podcast is Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And we want to 
engage you in those conversations. Yeah, and you know, if you decide that you want to engage us in conversation, we'll have you on our show to discuss uh, the film of your choosing. Very exciting stuff. So, as I said before, the most uh, the, the film that we're talking about is the most recent one from Happy Madison Productions. Yep, it is quite obviously timed a timed release mm-hmm. uh, to coincide with the upcoming release of Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, which is uh, you know Quentin Tarantino's kind of dream western. Yeah, uh, he's been tackling a couple of different uh sub genres of film over the last few years with uh Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained and this is another of his kind of uh or death proof even mm-hmm. uh this is another of those genre pictures right. uh, that he has made and the ridiculous 6 is uh <laughs> it it kind of it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> matter that nobody has seen the hateful 8 yet because yeah no also because it's it's sort of riffing as I think the Hateful Eight is off of the Magnificent Seven, yes, which is a classic Western, which is in in turn is based on the Seven Samurai. Yes, uh, yes, but uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I think it's kind of kind of genius that that the Ridiculous Six came out when it did, and and that they have the name and the the conceit. No, you're looking at me like I'm thinking the movie is genius. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, I know. no. You just said genius, you know, about an Adam Sandler <laughs> movie. Like, period. No, no. The marketing is okay. the uh, okay, okay. The title is the only thing genius. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but like honestly, this to me just reeks of uh, back in the '80s and the '90s when you would go to the movie store and in theaters would be like a, a, a you know aliens or something like that, and then. Uh, you'd go to the the blockbuster, your local blockbuster, and it would be like Blaylians. <laughs> like, what is what is this? Yeah, uh, I guess it's the timing it, that I'm really responding to. Yeah, but it's it was the same thing then. It's just it was on shelves instead of on Netflix. Exactly. I mean, I feel like this is this is this is shovel cinema. You know, it's just like it's it's just just a shoveling a reeking pile of. Captain Madison Productions. <laughs> well, before we get further into the conversation, uh, I, I'm going to tell you in a second a little bit about what the film's ostensibly about. Uh, but Chris, I want to hear from you first yeah. why you recommended this film to us and why you wanted to talk about it. Well, I'm trying to get you guys to block me on Facebook. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I think I think reviewing comedy is interesting, and it's always intrigued me a little yeah. bit because. Uh, because some of my favorite movies are reviewed terribly online. Like, for instance, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie uh, Saving Silverman. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which I think is hilarious. I laugh every time I see that movie. And it's got like a 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, it's a shit, shit movie, but so funny. So, I don't know. Maybe I was hoping for that kind of a thing with this one. I don't know. And plus, I used to love Adam Sandler as a kid, of course. And Yeah, uh, yeah. I keep giving I think... him a shot. His his comedic persona, I feel, has really changed over time. I mean, like in this movie, he is like he's the straight man through the whole thing. He's very I feel like serious he is in every movie in the last ten years. Yeah, but then yeah. look look back at Happy Gilmore, for example, mm-hmm. when he was he was out of control. He was his uh-huh. his persona was like the hero of so many young boys and fraternity brothers, mm-hmm. and now it's like. <laughs> He's just kind of this somber fifty-something man, and uh, it's like 
but he still he co-wrote this movie, which it's yeah. Like, did he do a good job? No, but um, yeah, there's there's plenty of other people in this movie who kind of bring the silliness more more so than he does in his character. When yeah, Taylor yeah, Lautner definitely... is the funniest thing about a movie, that's a, a problem. Is that what you're saying? Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I uh, I'm just going to give everybody kind of a rough idea of what the film's about. Although I'm not sure it matters that much. Yeah. Uh, when you have an 18 Metascore for a film, 18. Yeah. That's one eight. 18. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's rough. Uh, Don't give this film any more respect than it deserves, Andrew. Okay. You're okay. doing that it's, by saying it's a film. It's oh yeah. <laughs> this is. Uh, I guess here's here's my summary then. Uh, it's a, a deeply offensive film that traffics in outdated stereotypes uh, for no uh, considerable comic effect. Uh, it's about an outlaw, uh, a guy named Adam Sandler, a guy, named Adam Sandler <laughs> a guy played by Adam Sandler and named Tommy. Uh, well, his his his. Uh, given name is Tommy, but he has been raised by a Native American tribe, and within that tribe he is known as White Knife. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he is set to marry Smoking Fox. Right. Wham, wham. Um, And uh, he is visited by his father, his actual father, uh, played with I would say a great deal of zeal by Nick Nolte in kind of a oh, in a frightening way, a fright, like, <laughs> frightening, frightening out of control way. You know, yeah. when, when when he showed up and then Danny Trejo showed up, I thought they were going to have a who's more grizzled showdown. Yeah, between these that two. did not happen. No, it was not quite like that at all. It's not quite like that. Uh, but he is uh, called away. His father is kidnapped by Danny Trejo's gang and. In a convoluted sort of plot, he needs to put together the money to uh, give to those people so that they'll let his father go, ostensibly. Uh, And in doing so, he starts to run into a number of other uh, characters out there who have also been sired by his father. His father got around and slept with a lot of different women, apparently, and Mm -hmm. left behind a whole bunch of... Uh, sons, six sons, you might say, six ridiculous sons. That's right. Uh, and they band together, form their own kind of posse, and uh, go after not only stealing the money that they need to get together to free his father, but then also, as the film develops, uh, sort of putting things right in the world, I guess. Mm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> there was one scene. That's, um yeah, this movie is really it's it's kind of a typical movie of its of its ilk, I would say. It's it's sophomoric to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like scary movie six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was it's, a there was one scene in this movie that was so sophomoric that I really just had a really good laugh over it. And I was so hoping that that this would that this gag would not be repeated. That it would just be a one-off, really random. Yeah, I know gag. what you're talking about, and I think that's and and when it happened, I was like, had a really damn good laugh. 
But then, unfortunately, they brought this back as a major plot point. And I'm talking about the horse with the explosive diet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like it when it when it it, it came at the very <laughs> end of a scene. Yeah. So <laughs> random. Uh, like in this state, there was a scene between I don't even remember who it was. Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider and maybe somebody else. And then the horse just had this gigantic shit <laughs> that sprayed the wall of the barn for like 30 seconds. And then it ended. But then... That's like classic Sandler movie. Yeah, but then in true yeah. sophomoric fashion, they <clears throat> used that as a way for them to pull off a heist where the, the horse, you know, shat on somebody and, uh, and then that's how they were able to get away. I thought it would have been much funnier if they had just made it like a kind of a single occurrence, a single random occurrence. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, this movie is filled with that, including a lot of the sort of one liners that get repeated over and over again. Yeah. Aren't particularly funny the first time. And then the seventh or the 10th or the 15th time aren't any funnier just because you're repeating. It doesn't make it hilarious. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a shame, I think, in a way, because there's so much, there's so many talented people in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's so many good, fun, funny people. I mean, Adam Sandler himself has proven to be good on many occasions. I mean, uh-huh. I would say that most of his comedies are kind of garbage, but you know, we've talked a lot about uh, Spanglish. We had a, a podcast about Spanglish. We've talked about Punch Drunk Love being a really impressive performance. And of course, when he was on Saturday Night Live, I thought he was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Terry Crews, who is, of course, the sort of uh, comic relief du jour these days. Uh, and I think he's very talented, very funny. You have tons of sort of cl- classic Sandler people, like mm-hmm. uh, like Rob Schneider. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people who fill those those kind of weird character parts, like Steve Zahn or Will Forte. Uh, Luke Wilson's in this. Harvey Keitel's in this. John Lovitz is in this. David Spade is in this. Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. The tiniest little role (laughs) ever, but it was cameo. He got the my favorite line, I think, in the movie. But (laughs) yeah, Steve Buscemi's in it. John Turturro's in it. Uh, Vanilla Ice is in it in probably the most inexplicable performance that I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. Yeah, that was really entertaining, though. Uh, I, I was not. In, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I, 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 I don't. What's the joke there? What is, I, what is what the is joke? joke of that? That? Let's focus on that. What I, what, I what think is the, the problem with that scene is that we had had to sit so long through everything else to get to it. Had a scene <laughs> like that, I think, happened earlier where we were like, okay with the movie still. I would have maybe appreciated uh-huh. a little bit more because looking back on it. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but when I was in it, I was like, I am ready for this to be over, you know? Yeah, well, and the scene in question involves John Lovitz as kind of this guy who runs a high-stakes poker game, and uh, Vanilla Ice plays Mark Twain, (laughs) and David Spade plays General George Custer, and Blake Shelton plays Wyatt Earp, and they're all coming to this poker game to play, and then the Ridiculous Six are going to rob the poker game. But it, it's the characterizations are completely inexplicable, and I don't understand. Well, I think that is the humor, though. You know, it's like, why on earth does Mark Twain act like 
a white rapper? You know, and and the answer is because it makes no damn sense, and it's funny because Vanilla Ice plays him. That's why. Yeah, yeah. they're they're banking on the fact that you're going to look at it and go, oh, Vanilla Ice is in this movie. Isn't that funny? But isn't that such a like in twenty years that's going to mean nothing to anybody? Well, I didn't even know it was Vanilla Ice when I saw him. And I still thought it was funny. I was like, who is this guy playing Mark Twain? And then I was rewarded by my curiosity (laughs) that that it was actually vanilla fucking ice of all people. But it it reminded me of there was a Mr. Show sketch in the first season, uh, which was about the founding fathers. And Mm -hmm. um, Abe Lincoln was played by Tom Kenny. And Tom Kenny played him with this thick Brooklynite accent. And it made absolutely zero sense, uh, but 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 it was funny for some reason. Tony Curtis and Spartacus. Yeah, <laughs> although that's unintentional. That's not meant to be funny, right? But yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, there's remember we had there was a discussion I think in in when we went to film school, Andrew, in our first year between mm-hmm. Daniel McKinney, who was a directing teacher, and some students of his class about what is funny. It was really uh-huh. like spontaneous, you know, passionate discussion that I only got to hear about because I was on, in a different section. But you, Andrew, were in this movie uh, that Mike Watt made. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, yeah. There's, there's a scene where, uh, like, it takes place in the lower stacks of a library. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's, like, this person who's who's in the stacks, and they get, like clobbered in between they get crushed by the yeah and you and you were there like moving some furniture or something yeah and you have like a seizure a back spasm and you fall on the ground and all this like craziness happens and then at the very end uh neil moore comes in like shirtless and does like a a dance like a random like you know like pulp fiction style dance probably you know with the fingers over the eyes And and people were like up in arms about how fucking funny this was. But Daniel McKinney said, "Randomness isn't funny. It has to be motivated. It has to make sense for it to actually be funny." But well, I think that that's yeah, yeah, Chris. No, I just think I think that's strange. That's what I think is strange about about reviewing comedy. You know, like I was talking about earlier, is that what what is what does that mean? You can't say that something's not funny because there's some terribly on like you know well for instance just in in the culture today especially you know certain stand-up topics you know that are deemed horribly offensive are crazy funny to some people right right so it's hard to even put a label on what is and isn't can and can't be funny well yeah and and that's i think that that's a big reason that comedy translates so poorly Mm -hmm. i mean if 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 we were to sit down and watch a bollywood comedy yeah. I don't think I mean that's sort of sort of not a sort of a misleading statement cuz all most Bollywood movies are like every genre all at once. <laughs> uh but uh but the comedy doesn't necessarily translate it, it it seems strange or not particularly funny to American audiences and likewise co- comedies when they go overseas oftentimes don't do well as well as they do here in America and they don't do as well as sort of their action and adventure and even drama counterparts. Um, and I think that that's because comedy is hard to it, it is subjective and it's also hard to translate. But at the same time, there is a level of sophistication in comedy in terms of like if you're making a film, 
there is uh, we did a, a podcast not long ago about Young Frankenstein, which is widely regarded to be one of the great comedies, one of the great English language comedies mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, and that part of the reason that that is so funny is not only is it doing some of the similar things to what the ridiculous six is doing it's taking all of the tropes of a particular genre and fleshing them out or even if you wanted to talk about blazing saddles another mel brooks classic that you know uh takes on the western you can you can say that a movie like young frankenstein is doing those same things that the ridiculous six is doing but it's investing itself so much more in its characters it's investing itself in its environment it's investing itself in the comedy itself mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like throwaway jokes just for the the sake of it i thought that there were only a couple of truly developed bits in this film that worked and there was one in particular that i i was like ah, i really love this but it doesn't it doesn't fit in with any of the rest of the film and that was the abner double day yeah it doesn't baseball sequence oh. <laughs> which was actually probably yeah. my favorite part of the entire film because they, they come across abner double day who of course is credited as being the sort of inventor of baseball <laughs> and they they come across him and uh and they end up playing a pickup game of baseball <laughs> with him again for no reason whatsoever and uh and it's the and John Turturro is playing Abner Doubleday with this this sort of overwrought English accent. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to watch him kind of chew the scenery in this particular segment. And Abner Doubleday, it becomes clear through the the playing of this game that he's making up the rules as he goes along in order to <laughs> allow himself to win. And that's and that's how the rules of baseball came about. And it's that's it's funny. it's a wonderful sort of little mini it's a great sketch. comedy. <laughs> it is a great sketch. Yeah. Like right in the middle of this. totally bonkers (laughs) film i was like i really like this i want to see more of this what's happening here this is good but alas i was i was destined to be disappointed (laughs) yeah i i I just kind of felt like that scene didn't belong i mean it it, it was amusing uh but i kind of blame that whole scene with adver double day for the film's interminable 120 minute running time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is I mean, you know, I, I remember when I went and saw the Green Mile in in cinemas and it that's like a 3 hour plus yeah. film. And I remember thinking that it it felt like it it was an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. because because it, I was so wrapped up in it and it was so good and it was so well done. This movie was 2 hours and it felt like the length of Berlin Alexander Platz. It's just like it just it couldn't end. It never ended. Yeah, and I was I think the it seems like they placed a lot of importance on this um absent father sentimental bullshit. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that happens in a lot of comedy movies because comics are naturally neglected by their fathers, apparently. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I think especially Adam Sandler movies that yeah. this sort of like faux sentimentality is exactly a hallmark of faux, Adam Sandler. Faux sentimentality, like we're really supposed to care when Nick Nolte gets reunited with all these ridiculous jokers. Um, exactly, that's the point. It's a yeah. ridiculous movie. Why would you want to try to get it super? I don't know. Deep yeah, yeah. At all? What's yeah? What is the what is the purpose? I mean, you you look at uh, like Blazing Saddles, for instance, and it doesn't ever. Mm-mm. It never tries to get us close to those characters. Or it airplane. just hits gags, man. It's yeah. just gag after gag after gag, and that's really what this movie is. 
but it, it tries to, to shoehorn this this other stuff into the movie. It tries to find something to care about, something to make us as a viewer <laughs> care about anything. You know, just name something. Okay, the father, the, the, the father who neglected his child. But the ironic thing is, Adam Sandler's character had a very happy childhood with his adopted father. Yeah. The, the, the Indian man. Mm-hmm. And then, but all of a sudden, he's supposed to care about this supposedly, you know, uh, birth-related father, blood-related father, and and like abandon his the father that he's that he ha- currently has and has had his whole life. Uh, not to give anything away, but you know this this dynamic is going to change. Uh, if anybody you know, no really... one's fucking worried about spoilers <laughs> on this one, man. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and Netflix well, has already buried it. <laughs> fair enough. I it just seems like it was like for example, they could have expanded the narrative um, to to encompass more. More scenes like the Abner Doubleday, um, you know, scene, but instead yeah. they they painted themselves into a corner where they had to have this particular uh, plot device of saving the father and collecting a group of ragtag misfits <clears throat> to do it, and and that's all they care about. All six of them, all they care about is seeing their dad one more time, and it's just it's fucking lame. try again i mean yeah 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 although i i i was amused to see luke wilson in the scene where he's getting his ass kicked and he tries to keep his keep from spilling his whiskey yeah that was fun yeah i enjoyed that yeah Yeah. i mean there there are moments in the film that are like there are good gags in this film there are fun moments from time to time um but it 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 never seems to know when it's hit pay dirt and when, it, when it's time to move on. When it's hit horseshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it, it really, it, 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 it's that, it's that haphazard sloppy, you know, just like the grownups movies and, and all of these things that Adam Sandler's been doing over the last 10 or 15 years that are just, they're just, they're just a mess. They're a thematic mess. They're a, 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 a narrative mess. They're a comedic mess, and uh, it, it just astonishes me that, that they keep getting made. <laughs> I think yeah. Adam Sandler comes across as just very unpassionate in everything lately. Yeah. For the last yeah. – a long, I mean the last Adam Sandler movie that I really enjoyed comedically and laughed my ass off was Little Nicky. It's, I'm it's, not, man, it's not, funny. Just talking comic movies, not his drama. Right, it's right, it's right. funny that you say that. Chris, because mm-hmm. I always felt that starting with Big Daddy, Adam mm-hmm. Sandler's on-screen persona started to change and be more dour and kind of yeah. depressed. Yeah, I, I think even going so far as to to saying that his his on-screen personality turned misanthropic. I feel like I feel like there's a contempt for the world and other people. Yeah. In in his films, and it's interesting because I remember reading an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson when he was talking about casting Sandler for Punch Drunk Love, yeah. and the, one of the big reasons that he cast him is that he said that he felt this undercurrent in everything that Adam Sandler did of rage, mm-hmm. just like pure rage that ran under everything that he did, and and I agree with that, and so I guess. Uh, 
that rage, that youthful rage that Adam Sandler may have had sort of transmuted into just misanthropy, just, just a sort of just general dislike for humankind. Mm. And, and it seems like that, I mean, it, it's clear that he's having a lot of fun, but as much as anything, it, it feels like he's just doing these things so he can hang out with his friends and get paid for it. You know, it, it's, it, it's like a, it's like a cynicism for the, for the, the, the movies. Mm-hmm. That is, is, is very bizarre to me. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, he's got it made, you know. I mean, he's got so much box office appeal. He's already made a ton of money. Uh, he's got a built-in audience for whatever he does. Uh, his movies are critic-proof. I mean, they're gonna be making. They're gonna make money. Especially, all they need to do is do what the ridiculous six did in Spades, and that is have entertaining, recognizable faces in their films. And and have them do things that make them look, you know, really silly, like Terry Crews does or Taylor Lautner. Um, and yeah. uh, people will turn out to see it. I mean, I think that they thought that they could get away with The Ridiculous Six because it is a Netflix film. And, I mean, obviously, I really feel sorry for anybody who signed up for Netflix just so that they could see The Ridiculous Six. <laughs> but... W- well, I don't feel sorry for them because they might end up watching something great like Bloodline and then all is forgiven because... Well, they you know, they are appealing to people who already have the service, people who can casually say, yeah. oh, let's see yeah. what this latest movie is. Maybe it'll be funny. Um, if this film were ever released in theaters and somebody had to pay like $10 to see it, whoa, man. That would be... That, that yeah. would be Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The Red Letter Media review of that is one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's pretty clear I did not like this film. Uh, I do not recommend anybody watch it. I think that it is uh, uh, almost unwatchable, with the exception of a few moments here and there in the film. Um, Chris, you go first. <laughs> uh, I will keep my eye out for the next comedy starring Taylor Lautner. <laughs> you like his little, he had some kind of a black you know, chip that he put on his tooth, I think. I just, I appreciated his performance because it was, it was really, I mean, Rob Schneider always gives. I will give that to Rob Schneider. I think yeah. even as, as, you know, as ridiculous as his roles always are, he always gives it 100%. And I like him for that. And his new show, Rob, I'm going to go ahead and plug it on Netflix. It's actually very funny. Oh, is it? Uh, yes, it's a it's a faux reality, you know, kind of show about his. Not even a reality show, but it's like a Louis kind of show mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. called Rob. And it's it's pretty funny. I like him. Uh, but Taylor Lautner, for some reason, just came across as very, like, gave a comedic performance its due respect. Like uh, and he, it's it's and for somebody for to be in a movie that is clearly shit, you know, if you're in a movie, maybe it, it is hard to give it, but it shouldn't be. You should be as ridiculous as possible. And I thought he he did a good job with it. I would agree that he did yeah. give it his all, and mm-hmm. he really didn't hold back, and he really went the whole way with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I found him to be more annoying for that reason, actually. You know, I think. I think what I think that what it was was an example of somebody who is not naturally funny, 
Yeah, yeah. Just like throwing himself at at trying to be really, really, really funny. Yeah. And 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 doing what he's being told to do, but mm-hmm. it, it just sort of, you know, yeah, falls flat. Yeah. Well, I I like Luke Wilson as an actor. I thought that it was enjoyable to sort of see him on screen and think, oh, maybe the next scene will be better. <laughs> but uh, and then Rob Schneider, Rob Schneider had the the he was like the only person in the whole film who had the character down for this yeah. type yeah. of film. He was portraying like a Mexican bandito from like Treasure of Sierra Madre, um, which is very genre appropriate and and that's good. And mm-hmm. I think I think he did a good job. Um, everybody else, though, it's a shit movie. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't recommend it either. Just like these two guys, um, it's yeah. really there's really no reason to watch this movie unless you're going to review it on a podcast. <laughs> Other than that, you know, just anything. Just watch watch a very merry Christmas yeah. instead, which is. Also terrible in a different way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah. Well, that is our episode on The Ridiculous Six. Uh, Chris, thank you for recommending it. I actually do mean that when I say that. <laughs> uh, I always love watching bad movies, even if they're... Uh, even if they are sort of insufferable. Uh, <laughs> so uh, thanks for, for recommending that. Thanks for coming on the show to talk to, to us thanks about it. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, please join us, uh, listeners, for our next episode when we will be talking about the big movie of the holiday season, Star Wars Episode Seven. Yep. The Force Awakens. I almost said A New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. The Force Awakens. So, so somewhere in between um, episode seven and now, the Force went to sleep. Is that? <laughs> I get. Is that what? Wait, you mean between episode six and now? No, Return of the Jedi was episode seven, wasn't it? No, four, five, six. Oh, right, Jedi right, was right. episode six. This is episode seven. Yeah, presumably the Force did go to sleep. That's sort of the all. A lot of the speculation is about. You know what? Where where the Jedi went and and where the the Sith went? Yeah. You know, maybe the ridiculous six would have been better if they shot it in seventy millimeter. Uh, <laughs> I really did. I kind of I had a chuckle at the beginning when it says the ridiculous six six presented in four K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that actually was a pretty pretty good little oh, yeah. joke right there at the beginning. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>